This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Hey, girl, it is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not leak classified documents all over the internet. No, a 21 year old military contractor did exactly that. He should be behind bars. Maybe so, but if you want my opinion, the real villain here. Is whoever gave a 21-year-old video game nerd access to highly sensitive documents. I admire your honesty. We're going to get into it with Bill Hemmer, the co-host of America's Newsroom, who is stopping by in this hour to assess the damage done by this scandal. Uh, Comedian Charles McBee is also jumping in to discuss Walmart fleeing the woke city of Chicago. Everything woke turns to Maybe so. And 14-year-old Lincoln Fela. He is on vacation right now. They're on spring break over at the uh, high school. He's got a baseball game tonight, but he is going to call in uh, at the end of this uh, to the fastest-growing radio show in the country. That is a statement of fact. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. 888-788-9910 if you want a part of this thing. Uh, also, the phone number if you don't want a part of this thing. It's just your bullhorn. Call in. Say what you want. Believe what you want. Vote for what you want. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. All we ever, ever, ever ask. Sing along at home. Just the boys. Just the girls. Just the theys. Just the thems. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a <laughs> Bang. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. We had a hell of a night last night. I was uh, hosting Kennedy on the Fox Business Network. If you missed it, I posted on the Fox Across America Facebook page. Uh, I was also on Hannity last night with the great Sean Hannity. Uh, tonight, if you're watching Fail-A-Vision, I will be on The Bottom Line with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy, and they are thrilled to have me. That is balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm. Whatever. And I will also be on Fox News in the 7 p.m. hour, myself and Jesse Waters getting the band back together. <laughs> Me and Waters are actually good TV. Like I'm not. We I love. We we do really good hits together because he's just he's just pretty enough. You know what I mean? That it kind of legitimizes my ridiculousness. And then you know we have a little fun, a couple of card tricks, a couple of balloon animals. But the big the big TV going on right now, the one making all the headlines, is a fellow by the name of Jack Teixeira. Okay, he's a 21 year old who had access, okay, understand, <laughs> he's a cyber transport systems journeyman for all intents and purposes, an entry-level IT worker at the age of 21 is walking around with the most classified war secrets we have. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Again, he's obviously the guy who leaked it. He's obviously the problem. He's on Discord. He's in a chat room with his friends. That's how this went down. 
So during the pandemic, a lot of younger kids who weren't getting out to socialize started to hang out in chat rooms. And they started to, you know, play video games and talk smack. And did you see this girl? Check out that girl. Another nude selfie from the Kardashians. Did you see it? Hubba, hubba. Well, anyway, in the process of forming a social group that he came to lead, okay, guys start to brag, as 21-year-old kids do. Oh, yeah, hooked up with that girl. Oh, yeah, check out this car. Look at the donuts I did in the parking lot. And this guy was like, oh, yeah? How about these highly sensitive Ukrainian war documents? What the hell did you just say? And he was like, yeah, I got them. And started sharing them in the chat room. And again, that is his crime. And I know he was advised when he was hired against doing exactly that. But the fact remains, okay, there is a system in place right now that's giving our most sensitive data to people with absolutely no basis and qualification to be walking around with it. Correct the mundo. And my real frustration is it's always after the fact. That's something that's as demonstrably wrong as this gets talked about. You'll hear the government, well, we're going to have a panel and we're going to have a review and we're going to look in and we're going to make sure and we're going to circle back and we're going to. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. Because the truth is, okay, as we have this discussion about how could a low level 21 year old entry level worker have such sensitive documents? okay, as we have this outrage today. okay, we'll be doing so knowing that there's probably 500 other areas of our government where we're trying to confront our most sensitive issues, yet there's an apparatus in place that gives low-level punks like this access to stuff she they didn't deserve. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Every time. But while we talk about, and this is what you need to know, while we do the whole, well, how did he get it? And now we got to have an investigation. How can we make sure he doesn't get it again? You want to know what nobody's talking about? What was actually in the documents. Bingo. You know, things like China and Russia kind of getting together, exchanging weapons and AI and stuff of that sort, perhaps. Oh, maybe the fact that our special forces are on the ground in Ukraine, even though we were told we wouldn't have any boots on the ground. Uh, Egypt certainly sounds like they're uh, moving some back-channel weapons over to Russia. Egypt, an ally of ours. Egypt, a country that is not only an ally, but someone who traffics in our weaponry. Okay, is now using some of our weaponry to move it over to Russia. We know Afghanistan is moving arms just the same. Things that we found out about this war that contradict everything our government has been telling us are in these documents. But there's a lot of attention that's going to be paid today to this kid, and rightfully so. We're going to do it just the same. But somebody's got to sit here and call out the government for what they did wrong. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Maybe so, but that's the way it's got to be. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. Well, right now they're too busy jumping over this kid's head. Here is Dan Hoffman. You've probably heard him all over the channel. He was on the bottom line last night. I'll be on the bottom line tonight. So Dan Hoffman was my opening act. He is a former CIA station chief. Here is his assessment, clip five. I don't understand, honestly, how a cyber transport systems journeyman, that's his official title in the military, in the Air Force, uh, in the Air Force Guard, how that enables him to see super top secret intelligence on Mossad, uh, on Egypt, on uh, the war in Ukraine to the extent that he did. I mean, 
it, it just begs the question whether he was gaining access himself in places he shouldn't have been, like the way that uh, Bradley Chelsea Manning did or, or Snowden, or whether he had accomplices. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. It is not pretty. And here's a little more Hoffman talking about the aftermath, which is the diplomatic cleanup effort that will need to be made. Clip six. So they probably suspect we're spying on them, but they just don't like it to be publicized. And so there's going to be a lot of diplomatic cleanup on this one. And this is going to override other priorities. It's going to take a lot of the oxygen out of whatever other diplomatic priorities we might have with uh, with Egypt or with Turkey. These, this is going to be the issue. It's going to be very difficult for Secretary Blinken, and I'm quite sure the intelligence community will be reporting on just how our foreign allies are seeing this. And then again, when it comes to our sources, uh, grave concern on their part. Can you protect me or not? You have no idea how to defend a nation. I mean, you don't. Whether we're talking about the porous border that's wide open, or the fact that our porous border of internet is wide open. Okay, it's a real mess in Washington. Um, let me give you some General Jack Keane, because, again, he piggybacked onto the content of the documents. We could go on for days about why does a kid have this stuff, shouldn't have this stuff. There'll be committees formed. The end result will be, well, we've just got to monitor these group chats more to make sure our documents aren't leaking, which means you and I will relinquish more of our freedoms. They will use this as a justification to expand their spying domestically on regular law-abiding U.S. citizens. That's where this is ending. I'm telling you this now without spending a whole show on it. They are going to say, well, this kid was in the chat room leaking stuff. we got to make sure none of the other young kids are in chat rooms leaking stuff. So from now on, we're just going to spy on every kid who picks up an Xbox controller. That's where this ends. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be another expansion of the Patriot Act. But in the meantime, okay, in the other countries around the world that have just learned things about us and where we were doing them dirty, and certainly we learned a little bit about where we were being done dirty, okay, there are real ramifications to the content of the documents. Here is General Jack Keane speaking to that. It is clip seven. My biggest concern here is there's sensitive information, obviously top secret SCI, which is our most sensitive information that's being released on the joint worldwide communication intelligence system that the, the Pentagon runs. This unit that he belongs to at Otis Air Base, the 102nd Air Wing, is providing some kind of support function to the Pentagon, obviously, and intelligence services. They have been given access. But the fact that's running on the digital system that we're collecting on certain allies and it's saying, what are we collecting? That's very sensitive. And that should be very, very close hold. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? It's a good question to ask. Okay, we were told, remember this, I played you this clip yesterday. The adults are back in the room. That's what we were told, though. You understand, they got Trump out of the way. Now they get the regular Washington people in there. You know, the folks that really know how to run a tight ship. Wrong. Dude, this is embarrassing. Okay. And when they trotted out administration officials, no one, it's so weird. Okay. I don't, um, it's, I don't get to hang out with a lot of my married friends. I'm on the when I hang out, my hanging out is I'm on the road doing stand-up comedy. Or I'll go to dinner after I'm done here at Fox, or people will come hang out in my backyard. Like last night I had people over, Jenny was there, smoked a cigar, played some music. We had a really great time last night. A lot of Otis Redding. And then we got into a little George Michael. And then when I'm hammered, I play the Whitney Houston national anthem till the cops come. It's wild, but it's patriotic, you'd like it. So anyway, I don't go out a lot, but you've heard the old connotation of like three married guys go out together, and at the end of the night when they're about to split up. 
they coordinate the story they're going to give their wives. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, when they get done brushing all the glitter off of their faces from the strip club. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is, the three married guys are like, all right, what are you telling Wendy? You're going to say we went uh, to the fantasy football draft, and then we went to the diner, and we had a twin cheeseburger and onion soup. All right, yeah, I'll tell her that, too. All right, so let's get this straight. Football draft, diner. And the guys, like, fist bump, and they go their separate ways, and they walk in the door and try to stick to that story, okay? It's amazing to me to think that when it comes to three married guys finishing up at the end of a night out of bowling <laughs> that turns into, like, a strip club and a diner and God knows what, that they take a greater pain to coordinate their messaging than the people running our country do. Because here is Joe Biden, the guy who's supposed to be in charge of the whole thing. Top banana. The buck stops here. And it might be a buck 49 because of inflation, but the point is, it's supposed to stop here. Here he's saying in Dublin, Ireland, he's not concerned about the leak. No big deal. That's his message. You're about to hear a contradictory one from the Pentagon. Here it is, clip one. Are you concerned about the leak? Well, I, I'm, I'm not concerned about the leak. I'm concerned that it happened. But there's nothing contemporaneous that I'm aware of that is of great consequence. <laughs> You're a loony. Oh, there's nothing in there. There's nothing Nothing you should be concerned about. It's not a big deal. And then Kirby got in front of the microphone. And he was like, you can't share this. Don't put it in the newspaper. I don't want to see this on TV. It's that delicate. And what's funny is, Okay, they called this a deliberate criminal act. Here is General, uh, Brigadier General Pat Ryder at the Pentagon, clip three. It is important to understand uh, that we do have stringent guidelines in place for safeguarding classified and sensitive information. This was a deliberate criminal act, a violation of those guidelines. Okay, it's a deliberate criminal act, violation of the guidelines. And then he goes on to be questioned by Jennifer Griffin on the severity of the leak. And now he's trying to do some real backpedaling. Okay, and understand, Biden, I'm not concerned. No, it wasn't a big deal. In fact, it was such a small deal that we went in with 100 armed agents in a helicopter raid on his parents' house. That's just how small of a deal it was. You know, you're just banging a guy out for an overdue parking ticket, so you send in the SWAT team in the helicopters. Small deal. Nothing big going on here. That's what they're, they don't even take the time to coordinate at the end of the night out. Is it a big deal? Is it a small deal? Here's G Brigadier General Pat Ryder, who knows there's no official message on this, so he tries to do a little soft show. This is straight Ginger, uh, Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire right here, clip four. How did this happen, and isn't this a massive security breach? Uh, again, we need to allow the investigation to run its course. We'll, of course, know more uh, when that is completed, so I'd, I'd refer you to, to DOJ on that. You put into context the damage that has been done by this leak? Again, right now, we're continuing to assess the scope and the impact, um, and, and so that's work that will be ongoing. That was embarrassing. Because understand, okay, this matters. i got to say this to you, okay? How did this happen? We need to allow the investigation to run its course. Hey, ho, hey, if they didn't know how it happened, they wouldn't have known who to arrest. I think he's got a point. If they didn't know what was leaked, they wouldn't have known who to track it to. I think he's got a point. So they're not going to tell you what I know, what they know, but I'll tell you what I know, okay? Every one of these people that's running our government right now is a clown. 
The critics have spoken. You do that again and I'll break every bone in your body. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, you ask yourself... What's the biggest threat to this country right now? Is it the 40-year high of inflation that's crushing seniors and anyone living on a fixed income? Is it the poorest border that's led to a record level of fentanyl overdose deaths? Is it the double-digit increases nationwide in violent crime? No! According to Joe Biden, it is climate change. Here is Biden over in Ireland, clip nine. The single existential threat to the world is climate change. We don't have a lot of time, and that's a fact. They're even recognizing, finally, everyone's recognizing America. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. No, guys, you don't understand. I know China just tested a hypersonic nuclear weapon that can penetrate American defense systems. I know AI is accelerating at such a rapid pace we had to pause it for our own safety, even though our enemies aren't doing that. I know the border's wide open and Americans are dying at record levels, but trust me, what the weather's going to do 50 years from now is the problem. Yo, we're not going to make it 50 years from now if you don't get your head out of your ass. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Dude. To the left, it's funny. When I was a cab driver, I was driving around day shifts. You know, El Rushbo, Rush Limbaugh. He used to be on noon to three every day. And he used to talk about how this was like religion for them. Like the climate people, it's like a religion for them. It is. And you want to know what that religion is for real? That religion, it's when they say green energy, they mean green dollars. Money, 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 money. They are making so much money off climate change but they never give you data to justify doing so. They don't have anything. They have gloom and doom. The world's going to end. It's the biggest existential threat in the world right now. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But when you see someone's agenda talking to you, it undermines their integrity. How can you believe anything they say when we're literally at the precipice of World War III and they want you to believe with a straight face that what you really need to be worried about is what the weather's going to do 50 years from now. Democrats are so full of crap. This is the story of cutting-edge rockets and very deep pockets. There is definitely a spirit of competition that has completely changed the game. Three men with dreams to chase and money to burn. We put about a billion dollars in. We can have a base on the moon and a base on Mars. The stakes are high. 
The danger is real. Incredible growing pains. All a total loss. Our thoughts remain with the families of the brave. The competition is personal. Dueling around firsts and records. Oh my God! <laughs> to the next generation of dreamers. Bezos, Branson, Musk. I'm Bill Hemmer, and this is the Billionaire Space Race. And this is Fox Across America and the host of the Billionaire Space Race, the co-host of America's Newsroom. Joining us in studio now, Bill Hemmer is here. Hey, now. Nice to see you, brother. How wow. you doing? Wow. What, okay. what a time to be alive. Uh-huh. The Billionaire Space Race. Yes, indeed. It is underway. Now, I want to get into that, but before we do, yes. are you one of these suckers who thinks we landed on the moon? <laughs> I'm kidding. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Suckers! I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I was taking a shot at your home state of Ohio. I got, okay, I know. Oh. We, I know we went. I know uh-huh. we went. I actually, I met Buzz Aldrin here at Fox. Yeah, I do believe we went. I'm not sure we came back. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, he was an interesting fella. Oh, and I liked God, him quite a bit. God bless him. A hero. A, a great American. A, a phenomenal a, an American. Interesting American whose mind you don't really know which direction it's going to go. No, he's very unpredictable. Uh, tough guy to guard, man to man. But I love him. <laughs> You can't. You got to play a zone in conversation. Yes, but I love him. That's right. And in uh, Wapakoneta, Ohio, hometown of the great Jenny Fallon, and of course Neil Armstrong. What's funny about I forgot th- that yep, connection. But what's funny about their mission, the space? Yeah, Jenny Fallon. Um, is that you know Neil Armstrong? People who grew up in that town and owned farms was flying anything he could get his hands on. So everyone I know in Jenny's extended family that's in dairy has a story of Neil crashing something into one of their barns. A plane or a hang glider. So I love it so much because it's such good Americana. Yeah. But what really gets me about that mission is you realize they were going to space in like a dishwasher. Yeah. It was an appliance, if, dude. If that. It was, it was like, like a, a it was like a lotta out of the old Soviet it, Union. It was a Maytag. Yeah. And it's so it's so tiny. And they're just on the tip of that rocket. I mean, I can't believe what an insane ride it is. But I wanted to ask you, as the host of the billionaire space race, yes. are the creature comforts a little better now? I would. I would. Suggest, <laughs> I, would I would dare suggest yes. You know, one of my regrets um, in life, actually, mm-hmm. is not having the chance to shake Neil Armstrong's hand. Because he was living in Cincinnati until he died yep. uh, in a wonderful neighborhood called Indian Hill, mm-hmm. and the the fact that. It, Either our paths did not cross by accident or by profession or by luck. I really regret that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Neil Armstrong is as great of an American as we're ever going to have. And it's such like an inspirational story. And I was always fascinated by space. Uh, where I grew up on Long Island, we had Grumman. And they were building rockets yes. and mercury capsules and stuff. And F-14s. We still have some F-14s uh-huh. there. So we all had a Top Gun fantasy till we found out you had to be 110 pounds to get into the cockpit. <laughs> I was like, well, anyway. And five, four. Thanks, Tom no, Cruise. No higher. Yeah, I'm going to cruise to Golden Corral, Tom <laughs> Cruise. That's, that's, that's going to do it for me. Uh, I'll be back. Uh, so you're going to Ohio to suss this out, huh? Yes. We're working on a documentary for Fox Nation. And we got to get to yours because that's the highlight of the day that's here. That's right. But we're going to do one, a silly one, about whether or not we really landed on the moon. With mm-hmm. the premise being that I know we did. So what's your answer, sucker? Oh, I <laughs> good for you, Hemmer. Uh, I do know that we went. I watched. It's a fascinating documentary, and I'll give them credit for this. CNN produced it. 
but they produced a doc chronicling the actual first mission to the moon that has so much archival footage shot from inside, outside the capsule, mm-hmm. back and forth communications with Houston. One guy was logging off as the shift commander because his daughter was getting married. It was a Friday night. Mm-hmm. And it was really fascinating. And I was amazed by just how much footage was available because what you see yeah. is obviously just the iconic moment that becomes an MTV commercial, if you're my age, yeah. which is him jumping out and putting mm-hmm. the flag up. Uh, but when you realize the level of collective work it took to get there, because I'm a team sport guy, yeah. the moon landing means so much to me. The whole, you know, when mm-hmm. you see it in movies, when Houston's cheering, like, we got our guy. Mm-hmm. Ah! That's the part I love. It's like if you yeah. look at it through the lens of sports, the moon landing is like one of the greatest upsets in history. Mm-hmm. You know, and now we're just going up for fun. It's like a Tuesday, a three martini lunch. Well, it's um, it sure has changed, and I think it's changed for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know ten years ago there were a lot of doubting minds that mm-hmm. uh, you know we we used to blast off and land on 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 Mother Earth in Kazakhstan. Yeah, that was a tough landing. Yeah, and then we sacrificed that. And we thought, why should we rely on the Russians to get us to space and back? And the, there were a lot of questions, a lot of critics. I think directed toward President Obama. Yeah, in hindsight, that was the right call. Yeah, and you know, Jimmy, we've been blessed blessed with three great minds who have enriched their lives through capitalism, the market system. Richard Branson got rich through it. Elon Musk got rich through it. Jeff Bezos got rich through it. And we've all benefited from their own, from their endeavors mm-hmm. to take us back to space. Yep. I mean, what, what, it is a great time to be alive. When you think about we were this lucky to have three men who were so capable of getting there. Well, I think it's a great point. We're talking to Bill Hemmer, the billionaire space race streaming on Fox Nation, is speaking to the point of how good it is to be alive and that there's this weapons-grade level of instant gratification now. I think one of the reasons society is so contentious is because we, we've lost perspective. It's so convenient now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't want to dwell on this, yeah. but if you want food, you want pants, you want to move, whatever right. you want, you hit a button on your phone, it's in, you, it's you, in your you life. You know what I notice is that people, you know, people live day-to-day now. Yes. And sometimes they live hour-to-hour. Yeah. And a lot of people will hold off on making decisions until they have to. Yeah. Because they can. Yep. But there was a time when you had to work long con, and that's what the moon right. the moon landing was. You were working long cons. So I, le- I left you a voicemail on your answering machine. <laughs> I'll get it when I get home. Imagine such that a was, thing. It was yesterday, Dude, Jimmy. I imagine, I, I remember an era, I'm, uh, uh, I know you're old enough to remember a busy signal. You could take your phone off the mm-hmm. hook, and you yeah. were just off the grid. <laughs> could you imagine being off the grid now? That's you're amazing. never off the grid. <laughs> yeah, true. I true. drove last week at a stand-up gig. I was in Bend, Oregon. I drove from Bend to Boise. Gorgeous ride. High desert. Route oh, 20. Oh. Make sure you got a full tank of gas because yeah. you ain't pulling over. Yeah. Okay. But I was off the grid. There was no cell phone service for about four and a half hours. Especially in eastern Oregon. Yeah, it was incredible, yeah. though. And it was so nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the only thing I was thinking is, like, heaven forbid you break down or something. You are alone. You're doing this old school. Yeah. Like, you're flagging down a trucker mm-hmm. and bartering for some yeah. type of salvation. Yeah. So I loved it. It was rad, but it was probably, so far as I know, probably the first time I was off the grid in, I don't know, five years. Mm-hmm. You're never off the grid. Yeah. They can find you anywhere, Hammer. Yeah, good point. Something to think about. But yeah. Bill Hammer's in studio. We're talking about moon landings and space races. Of course, to make it into space, of course, to achieve a moon landing. There's a lot of classified documents you have to keep secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not exactly adhering to the old adage that defense wins championships right now. <laughs> Got a 21-year-old kid leaking stuff in a video yeah, game chat amazing. room. Like, like, what's the question you have about this? Well, this is... How, how, how about a few here? Yeah. Why does the Mass- why does the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, an Air National Guard, yep. have access to high-classified information? One. 
Why? No. I, and and, and, and if they've you. got it, 49 other states have it. Yep. Right? But he's 21. He's working in IT. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, what are they doing overnight here? Yeah. Now let's make sure. Hey! No. hey. <laughs> right? Makes you wonder. You may want to log off and watch yeah. what you type next time, Jimmy. Thank, thank but, you. Uh, but I, th- these are the questions that must be answered. There are 2.9 million Americans who have accessed the classified material. Wow. You know how this happened? Yeah. After 9-11. Yeah. Oh, because... Remember the, all the mm-hmm. agencies were pointing yep. fingers at each other and like, why, why didn't the FBI tell the uh, local force uh, about they this guy? They weren't sharing data. In, uh, all of that. Yep. So they tried to break down those walls, and they did. And maybe perhaps now too much. Yeah. Well, you know, my bigger concern is whenever something like this happens... The overreaction and justific- they use this as a justification to increase their surveillance of the rest of us. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, this did happen on Discord where there's a lot of group chats. <laughs> so then the next thing you know, I'm having a Madden draft and I've got a Fed picking for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> like, well, what's going on here? Don't want that. <laughs> who's, who's this guy with all the, the medals <laughs> picking for the Buccaneers? Bill Hammer's in studio. Uh, so that one got me. But my other question is, we are obviously going to spend so much time and so much ink on the leaker himself. But uh, the actual contents of what was leaked, mm-hmm. I think, are the bigger story. Here. Yeah. Um, what I would suggest is some of, it, some of that information is out of date, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's past tense. But some of it's not, like mm-hmm. China having the capability for a hypersonic missile yep. now. Yeah, right, now. right we knew about the, We knew about Russia several months ago, but China has it too. We don't have air defenses that can defend against that. Yeah. But, right. we're, but we're being told we, we that, need this, you know, speaking of like this high tech world about going to space, we need to step on it. Yeah. How about that? Well, one of the things, because since you brought that up about the hypersonic missile, because I was discussing that earlier, is I was just told by the president that the biggest existential threat to the world right now is climate change. Uh-huh. I got to be honest with you. If climate change is ever going to get us, I don't know that it is, but if it ever is, it's yeah. probably going to be 75, 80 years. Yep. A hypersonic missile uh, is probably a little more immediate than climate change. Sure, uh, Trump, had, did you see the interview that Tucker did the other night? Yes. So Trump's got this line about, hey, you guys are worried about the ocean rise at an eighth of an inch. He goes, let me tell you what we need to worry about. (laughs) 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 And he he just ticked them off. Like, yep, yep, yep. And they're all big time players. You know, Xi means business. Yep. You know, Putin means business. Mm -hmm. You like, you know, the North Koreans mean business. How many times do you wake up in the morning and see another test that was conducted by the North Koreans? They ain't doing it on their own, Jimmy. Well, this is the thing somebody like Trump understands. And I think people at the tippy top of the government, I would like to believe, understand is most of our country is kind of blissfully ignorant to just how much the rest of the world wants to take us down. But if I were to sim- oversimplify this and put it into sports parameters, it's like we're the Yankees. You know, the Yankees always say when you go on the we road— We thought we were. Yeah, well, thank you. But what I'm saying is having the franchise legacy that the Yankees do, to this day, whether the Yankees are in first or in third, more people show up to give their bus the middle finger than any other bus in the major leagues. Right. Okay? So whether we're a first-place Yankees or we're this version of the Yankees, uh-huh. which seems to be tanking for a draft pick, yeah. there's still a lot of people lining up to give our bus the finger, yeah. Hammer. Have, no you used, what, have you used that no, before? No, this is just you that's, and me. That's pretty good. Good, that's who we are. I can relate to it. We pull I, I think <laughs> baseball fans all over the country can, too. Thank you. Well, that's right. what America is on the world Whether stage. Whether we're first place or last place, yep. they're still giving us. Plenty of people want to give the bird Yeah, the it's Yankees. a serious world, Jimmy. Yes. Right? You see, you, you, you almost you get the sense that entire regions are shifting by the day. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're kind of passing us by. Uh-huh. And some have made the argument that we've abandoned the Middle East. Yep. And, and look what's happened. Well, maybe it turns out for the better. Maybe Saudi Arabia and Iran making peace 
It's probably a good thing for the world. Calms it down. All right, but Iran's going to the UAE. These relationships have not gone in motion this way yep. for a very long time. And where are we in this? Yep. You know, we've shifted our focus to the Pacific. It's a weird time in that you're watching this. It's it's kind of weird. You know, the old adage of, like, peace through strength. Mm-hmm. We've gotten away, you know, in terms of running the ball through the tackles. Yeah. We're not running the ball through the tackles. Well, I tell you, um, we need to project strength. Yeah, that's what I mean. And at the top of the food chain for our political leadership, you have to ask yourself whether or not we are doing that. There's no way we Did are. you watch Ireland this week? Uh-huh. Did you see some of that? <laughs> right? The dog. Yeah. And the tree. Yeah. I'm and the go, kids with. What's up with the documents? I'm going to plant a tree. I think the, the greatest one, though, he's like, you know, the guy asked him. You know, what are the keys to success? He had the wrong question. And Hunter goes, no, he's asking you about success. Oh. And he goes, well, we yeah. got to make sure nobody has COVID. Mm. And I'm like, dude, what's going on here? Yeah. You just signed it away two days ago. There's no more COVID yeah, I mean, listen, you see it. I see it. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to come out of it at the other end. But well, uh, we've got big decisions to make now. Yep. Um, as opposed to waiting for another two years. Well, and mm-hmm. I hope we're not too far down that river in two years. No, that's my hope, too. We're talking to the mm-hmm. great Bill Hammer. Just one more thing, because yes. we're speaking to Biden. And, okay. and I have a question for you in the end. Go. Oh, I love it. Well, I just want you to speculate on this. This is not – he is not throwing the full backbone and integrity of America's newsroom's analysis behind this. This is me and you spitballing. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, you know, in the Tour de France, they have a bicycle rider that will often be riding as an alternate for the team mm-hmm. where his score doesn't count, but he's riding with the pack because if somebody, like, turns an ankle, he joins the team. I see Gavin Newsom doing a lot of bicycle pedaling right now. Yeah. Is he riding alongside the team right now in yeah. case somebody turns an ankle? Or is he uh, is he in the lead on that Peloton, <laughs> right? Huh? He's got a, he seems to be wearing yeah, a jersey listen, for a guy who's not in the race. Remember last summer when, when Biden went overseas and Gavin Newsom went to the West Wing? He showed up with an Ikea that catalog. That was one of the freakiest things yeah. I have ever laid eyes on. Wasn't it? And he chose to go in the front door. Right in the front door. On purpose. Brazen. I think we all know what's going yeah, on there. So here's my question. Yep. Is that iced tea or Coke? Uh, actually, this is iced coffee. And I, oh. normally, I normally have it in a shaker cup, uh-huh. but because I was just doing Kill Me, that was giving him a ratings bounce. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have time to go back to my office and get my shaker cup, so I'm now walking around with a double. Well, you look good. Yeah, it's, looks, it's a look. Looks like you got a long day ahead of you, too. That's <laughs> a flex, Hammer. <laughs> well, I got the toughest interview out of the way, so I think we're skiing downhill. Dig it. But the last thing I will tell everybody yep. in terms of my assessment of the world being in a bad trajectory mm-hmm. My tell was when I watched the commercial for your documentary for real, yes. and I go, oh, the billionaires are trying to flee the planet, by the way. <laughs> That's everything we need but to they know can about. Only, they can only get to the moon. For a little bit, but they're trying. <laughs> Believe right. me, they've got bigger designs than that GPS. Man. Billionaire space race that is streaming everywhere now. Henry, you the best. Thank you, brother. Nice, nice to be with oh, you, Jimmy. Have an awesome weekend, and good luck yeah. in Oh, they're going to get theirs. Ohio. <laughs> Thanks, my man. Back after this. He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Bill Hemmer, and the billionaire space race. Fascinating times. Billionaires are trying to flee the planet. We've got a president overseas in Ireland. I got to tell you. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. 
So I want to play you something, okay? Amanda Sloat, not a name you'd be familiar with, not a name I was familiar with before looking her up. She is the NSC director for Europe, okay? And she is in diplomatic cleanup mode. Why? Because yesterday when Biden was speaking about a rugby team uh, over in Ireland, the All Blacks, he mistook them for a paramilitary group, the Black and Tans. Now, it's unequivocal. I'm going to play the clip. He says, you guys beat the hell out of the Black and Tans. So he's clearly confusing one with the other. He specifically says, you beat that other thing. But here is the NSC director for Europe trying to be a diplomat. She's forced to comment on this. Hey, that's a faux pas. He just insulted the hell out of the locals. And no, he really clearly meant the other thing. That's what she has to say. Come on, don't bullshit me. But here it is. Let me give you the Biden clip first, clip 11. And you see this tie I have with the shamrock on it? This was given to me by one of these guys right here. It was a hell of a rugby player. And they beat the hell of the black and tans. Oh, God. But just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Beat the hell out of the black and tans. That's the direct verbatim quote. Here's Amanda Sloat trying to be a gracious diplomat, saying it was clear he was talking about the rugby team, the All Blacks. You're not telling me the truth. Clip 12. Was he aware that he misspoke there when he was... I think for everyone in, in Ireland who was a rugby fan, it was incredibly clear that the president was talking about the All Blacks and, and Ireland's defeat of the, the New Zealand team in, in 2016. That was embarrassing. I mean, because you know what it is? It's like her integrity takes a hit. Because the people in Ireland are actually... They've watched this visit this week. The little kids with Hunter and the questions. You saw the video with the dog. Here he is yesterday saying we're going to go lick the world. Clip 13. There's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick, lick the world. Let's get it done. Let's go lick the world. Have you ever had a checkup? That sounds kinky. <laughs> but I'm not sure it's what the world had signed up for in this moment. Biden's lost his marbles. It really has. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Back in action. Big hour of Fox Across America. Charles McBee is coming up. He is a comedian, uh, a black voter, and a man that's going to weigh in on an op-ed that says, against all odds, Tim Scott is going to win the Republican nomination. Wrong. I don't know how they got to this math, but I do love Tim Scott. He's a frequent guest on this show. McBee will help me break it down. 888-788-9910 if you want to sing backup. Lincoln Fela is going to close the show this week, my 14-year-old son. We'll do some playground politics. I'll get you an update on his high school baseball team, the Clark Rams doing the damn thing. Lincoln Fela got hit by a pitch yesterday. That's just how white folks will do you. Right? Unbelievable. But uh, he did not uh, charge the mound. He showed some plate discipline. So shout out to the Link Man. Shout out to you. Happy Friday. You live in the greatest country in the world. It's never been a better time to be alive than right now in terms of the overall convenience and quality of life. Everything's faster and you know, better, everything in between. The only thing that's worse is our relations in this country. That's, that's it. Everything else is great. Okay, you want food, hit a button on your phone, it's at your house. You want pants, hit a button, it's at your house. You want a song, hit a button, it's right there on your hand. Do anything you want. 
book a vacation, buy a car. You don't have to go see it. There's never been a more convenient time to be alive. And the instant gratification we now know, okay, we're so married to convenience, that political disagreement has become untenable. You know, used to be we all could agree to disagree and nobody really cared. You just got on with your day. But now someone saying the words, yeah, but, you're like, hey, dude, don't you understand I'm beaming in a video to my phone off a satellite in space in the next eight-tenths of a second. You now want me to sit here and counter your point, your yeah, but? Do, uh, wait, do you out? You got some nerve pulling that one, pal. Get him out of here. Get him out. That's what politics have become. We don't actually have the patience for disagreement. So mindful of the fact that a lot of people feel that way, I am trying to give the world an old-school talk show where we can engage in a free exchange of good faith ideas. You agree, disagree, doesn't matter. The only real rule, we have one rule. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. Just a little perspective. That's all we want you to have. Okay, if you live here, you have hit the lottery by virtue of the fact that you live in this country. You have American privilege, not white privilege. Not 1% like Bernie Sanders says, no, no, it's just the fact that you're an American. If you live in America, you are amongst the world's 1%. That is correct. If you break the world down by population, you are living the brokest guy in America. With the available infrastructure and the available opportunity and upward mobility our society provides anyone who happens to be here, the brokest guy in America is living in the 1% of the world's population. You're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. And I bring that up because nobody knows that story better than Tim Scott. Okay, Tim Scott's making a lot of headlines because he launched a presidential exploratory committee, which is a fancy way of saying he's raising money to go run for president. Okay, Tim Scott was he has pound for pound probably the best story of anybody who's ever made it this far in politics and that he is not only the first black American to serve in both houses of Congress, first in the House of Representatives and now in the Senate. But Tim Scott was born to a single mother at the absolute bottom of the socioeconomic totem pole. Tim Scott's life is a life the Democrats are fighting with all the fiber in their being to abort going forward. That's not right. Tim Scott isn't even supposed to be born in the Democratic worldview. Okay, Tim Scott is supposed to be aborted so his mother can go get her career into a better position, because as far as the Democrats are concerned, true empowerment doesn't come from raising kids and having a family and a fulfilling home life. It comes from spending more time in a cubicle and defining all of your net worth and happiness by where your career path takes you. Now, I can tell you this as a guy who has real perspective, who spent a lot of time driving a cab. Now I'm on some of the biggest TV shows in the world. Okay, I'm not any happier now, busier, probably dress better, uh, budget slightly better. I got a hair and makeup team, so I'm not a, you know, a total Coney Island circus act when you see me on TV. I mean, I'm still a mess. But the point is the things that make you happy, the things you live for, the things you run on. You know what I did last night when I got, I hosted this show, fastest growing radio show in the country. It's pretty cool. Okay, then I went and hosted Kennedy's show. 
Pound for Pound, best show in business television. Kennedy's an amazing show. And then when that was over, I was on Sean Hannity in front of 2.7 million people. Live studio audience, crushed. They were a good audience. Like good jokes, you could tell them. It was, very, it was actually an easy night. Like Sean makes it easy. Tommy Laren was on the set. They made it easy. But the point is, after all of that, as incredible as it might have looked or felt or, you know, was, I just went home and threw on a stereo in my backyard and lit a cigar and hung out with Jenny and Lincoln and one of our drunk neighbors. It was great. But you know what I would have done if I was a cab driver after a 12-hour shift? The same freaking thing. Bingo. Would have went home to my wife and my kid and lit a cigar and put on some music and had a good time. Okay, the truth is we're all in the happiness business. And if you live in America, you have more happiness at your disposal than anybody else in the world. Tim Scott was born at a time in the South when there was real oppression. Okay, we were still fighting to integrate society. Okay, the Democrats had just fought us tooth and nail because they were against integrating schools. They were running the Jim Crow South. Okay, it was an actual oppressive society where black people were being denied legitimately level playing fields. Okay, that did happen. We do bear the sin of that in this country. But the fact remains that no country on earth has done more to overcome that sin and level that playing field than the one you live in. We live in a country in America now where you actually have a better chance of getting accepted to anything if you are a minority than if you are a white person. Okay, you know, some of that was affirmative action and it increased hiring practices and quotas and things like that at schools. Okay, but now because of identity politics and all the woke nonsense that puts so much effort and emphasis on inclusion, you have a better chance now of getting hired just because than you do because of the actual meritocracy of whether or not you're even qualified to do the gig. And if you don't believe me, look at the Biden administration, where we have a gay transportation secretary just because we've never had one. Pete Booty Judge is pathetic. It doesn't mean you can't have a gay transportation secretary. It doesn't mean I wouldn't support a gay transportation secretary. But this particular gay transportation secretary was nicknamed Pothole Pete when he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, because he did such a poor job of maintaining the roads, that guy who couldn't handle the roads in South Bend, Indiana, is now in charge of every road in the country. That's stupid. Use your common sense. It's identity politics. Take somebody like Kamala Harris, for example. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. But she's literally your vice president because the Democrats announced... They were confining their vice presidential search to black women. Nothing else. Nothing more. Nothing less. Okay, that's discriminatory. It's racist in theory. But why were they doing it? Because identity trumps your actual contribution to society in the Democratic Party. They view representation as a deliverable. Hey, look, we hired somebody who looks like you. That's the good news. The bad news is crime is up. Inflation's up. Your job's going overseas and your neighbor's kid just overdosed on fentanyl. But, 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 but there is a person who's going to come out to the podium that has the same background as you. So don't you feel better? Don't you know when all that is happening? The answer would be no. No. Okay. Inclusion is not a deliverable. It's not a deliverable. We're not racist. We're an integrated society. So when Tim Scott runs, when you hear him on the show, okay, Tim Scott is a guy that fought through real oppression. His grandfather was forced out of school in the third grade to go pick cotton, to go be a sharecropper. That's where Tim Scott comes from. Hey, you, you don't have the right to determine your future. We're putting you in the field. That's what he's born into. 
And that dude has managed not just to be a member of the House of Representatives, but a member of the Senate. That dude, okay, who is now running a presidential exploratory committee. I'll be honest with you. He's polling in like 2% in most states. It's not anywhere near a front runner. But he's got such an empowering story. And in the long run, as Trump and DeSantis duke it out, there's an opening for a third party to tiptoe into the lead. And the reason people do give Tim Scott so much credence when it comes to doing so is because he is the antithesis of everything the Democrats are selling minorities. Tell them like it is. Okay. Democrats are telling minorities, oh, America's racist, oppressed. You can't do it. You need the government. They're holding you down. You can't even get a voter ID. Democrats are selling minorities the soft bigotry of low expectations. You're not capable. You need the government to do this. You are not capable. We are so racist. We are so oppressive. Tim Scott is a dude, excuse me, that pulled this journey off all the way back in the 80s. And he speaks to people like Barry Gordy, who founded Motown in the late 50s and turned it into a multi-billion dollar entity. Okay, America has been a place where anyone who wanted to work hard could uniquely provide a service in our society, fill a void in a market, and become a billionaire, okay, since its inception. Okay, and Tim Scott speaks to that upward mobility, victorhood over victimhood. Okay, it's a real problem for the Democrats because right now any Republican that runs is just getting called a racist. Well, you're racist, you're racist, you're racist. Okay, and they call black Republicans racist. They've called Tim Scott racist. They've called Byron Donald racist. They famously said Nikki Haley was using her brown skin to launder white supremacy. That was absolutely dreadful. But they said it with a straight face, with no shame. And it's not because they mean it. It's not because they know it to be true. It's because they've used it as a social pressure scheme to steer the vote their way. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But if a guy like Tim Scott jumps into the race and becomes a frontrunner against all odds, because he's clearly not poised to do that right now, it takes away the one lane of attack the Democrats rely on the most to get to the White House, which is yelling racist enough that they can monopolize, they can monopolize the black Vote. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. That's what they do. Okay, they feel so entitled to black support despite not delivering for them in any way. Okay, that Joe Biden felt comfortable, the party felt comfortable with him telling black people he was now the arbiter of who was and wasn't black. Okay, we are so entitled to your support. Not giving it to us would mean you clearly don't understand what it means to be black. That's Joe Biden. That's his claim. And was there a big backlash in the Democratic Party for him saying that? The answer would be no. No, because they think they own the black vote. They think they're entitled to the black vote. That's why they spend so much time calling everything else racist. Now, the problem they have with the Tim Scott nomination is, of course, they're going to call him racist. That's all they're going to do. They have no shame. But it becomes really hard to convince the whole entire black electorate, okay, with which the Democrats cannot win a national election without. It becomes really hard to pull in black support at the numbers Democrats need if their whole argument is black people are oppressed in this country and this guy on the other side of the aisle is a racist. Okay, Tim Scott is proof that black people are not oppressed in this country. Not even a black person who was born under circumstances, the Democrats are fighting people to abort. 
not encouraging fighting for this, chasing Supreme Court justices out of restaurants, okay, abortion, okay, over 90% of it is black babies. That's what abortion was founded on. Margaret Sanger, the patron saint of Planned Parenthood, saw abortion as a form of eugenics. How are we going to control the growth in the black population? Abortion. And then the Democrats latched onto that as a voting issue of women's empowerment in the fraudulent 70s, late 60s, early 70s, and all the pressure that came about of Roe v. Wade. Okay, abortion, this is for the good of a woman. Killing a baby will get you ahead in life. I'm just telling you that it won't. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Doesn't mean I'm here to judge you. That's not my job. But the reason they're so horrified of Tim Scott, the reason he's so potent, is if heaven forbid in the food fight that ensues. You got to look at this Republican primary like it's like one of those WWF steel cage matches where 12 guys are going to get in and beat the snot out of each other. But one of them has to climb the ladder at the end and grab the briefcase, and that makes him the champion. Okay, you got to understand that this ring is about to get crowded and chaotic, and people are going to be absolutely just pounding each other. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. But if Trump and DeSantis are beating each other up along the turnbuckles and Nikki Haley's jumping off the top rope, Chris Christie's trying to get up to the other top rope, but he can't. And, you know, Mike Pence is in there, and Mike Pompeo is clotheslining people. If, heaven forbid... Tim Scott gets to the tippy top of that ladder and becomes the Republican nominee. Okay, the Democrats got a real big problem on their hands because the Democrats have spent the the ensuing years after we elected the first black president in the history of this country telling every single black American that they're oppressed, that the deck is stacked. Yo, we just elected a black man to the highest office we have with overwhelming support from white voters. So are they taking some type of prescription drug that wore off at the end of the Obama presidency? They forgot to go to CVS or Walgreens or wherever and renew their prescription? No. Okay. The tell is the Democrats are full of it. And no one exposes that more than Tim Scott. So if there's a world, okay, where he happens to be the nominee, I don't know that he is. I don't know that he's polling in a position that he will. But heaven, heaven forbid the ball bounces that way. You know, the people that have been playing the race card as a political strategy for the last 10 years are about to run out of quarters really, really fast. A show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs. We're on a mission from God. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. pains my soul to see the Biden liberals attacking every rung of the ladder that helped me climb. If the radical left gets their way, millions more families will be trapped in failing schools, crime-ridden neighborhoods, and crushing inflation. Not on my watch. That's why I'm announcing my exploratory committee for president of the United States. Whoa, there it is, Tim Scott. Launching an exploratory committee. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. Trump, not a big fan of that. Uh, Tim Scott actually does go home to mommy, by the way. His mother is 95 years old, and he flies home every Saturday to take her to the movies because he's a good human. He was raised by a single black mom at the absolute bottom 
of the socioeconomic scale at a time when America was uh, not as tolerant or inclusive as it is today, to put it mildly. But the hot topic in D.C. is, you know, as a senator, he's got about $100 million bucks to his name, is only going to continue to raise more money. But what you take away from that commercial, and this is where the Democrats are really in a bad spot, Okay, the Democrats have included, have have considered inclusion a deliverable to the black community. Hey, we're going to put somebody on the ticket that's from your community, but you're not actually going to approve anybody's quality of life. That becomes the problem. What Tim Scott is running on in that ad is, hey, not vote for me, I'm black. It's, hey, we got to get crime under control. We got to get inflation under control. We got to get the border under control. We got to get your kid in education. Okay, deliverables. People don't need it. It's like the Chris Rock bit about all the, the yoga pants stores with their politics in the window. They're not going to you for politics. They're going to you for yoga pants. Okay, it's the same thing for politics, though. They're not going to you for inclusion and corporate initiatives. Okay, they're going to you for solutions. And right now we don't have any. The economy's tanked. The border's wide open. Inflation's at a 40-year high, and your gas prices just went up 30 cents. Biden is such a disaster. And we need somebody to replace him who knows what they're doing. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. He was on Kennedy last night. He wants me to introduce him as Mr. Fox News. Uh, I know him as a comedian. You know him as comedian and a writer for Charlemagne the God over on Comedy Central. Uh, but Mr. Fox News, Charles McBee is here. Amen. <laughs> Why are you uh, constantly trying to boost my career? Every- <laughs> <laughs> I like the MAGA hat. That's a new one. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's not wearing a MAGA hat. His liberal friends are listening. No, I know they, it, Charles. No, they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> no way. They're liberals. You're like, I'm Fox. No, I'm, yeah. going, to, I'm going to Epstein Island. Exactly. What are you talking about? What are you crazy? I'm not over at Fox. No. What? You just got banned from every club in the city. Uh, we had a good hang on Kennedy last night. It was a great job. Yeah, it was great. It was always fun. Very fun, fun, silly panel. It's There, there are moments, you know, because we're hosting the show, we're doing the show, and you're in the process of hosting and doing the show. But every once in a while, I get a free second to think about the ridiculousness yeah. that you and me are actually like running a television show. It's like crazy. even right now, for millions of people, it's, wild. it's kind of funny. And we had a good time. We drove it like we stole it, as the kids said. <laughs> um, so much to get into today. So let me throw some of this at you. Because we didn't do a lot of Bud Light last night. Without even getting too far into the weeds on Bud Light, I know you're familiar with the controversy. Um, I think the biggest sin here is that they took politics into beer. Don't you think? Well, they took they take politics and everything now. Of course. I mean, I mean you look at the but, Gillette but, stuff yeah, yeah, and but, like everything else. It's, it's crazy. But beer is where you go to get away. Like beer was the one place right. you go get drunk. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And I think that is bigger than anything to sin. Yeah, the girl that's in charge of marketing was like, oh, the brand was old and fratty and out of touch, yeah. which is a way of saying your customers suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the best move. You know what's funny is like remember the whole uh, scandal when with Henry Louis Gates where he got arrested for going to his own house? Yeah. And and Obama had the beer summit, yeah, right? Yeah. It was supposed to be this thing that the one thing that brings us all together it's as a, a beer. country is a beer. And that <laughs> was the one thing that divides the, everybody. The most Biden thing ever. Biden's going to call for a beer summit. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bud Light. They're like, what are you doing, you idiot? Oh, it could happen. That's so funny. But you're right. And that was the point of beer is that it was, a, it was escapism. We have no yeah. escapism. And I loved when... Chris Rock talked about it in a special, but we've all talked about it. The store is virtue signaling about yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. We don't care about your yoga pants politics. Yeah. What I always love about the store projecting values is they do it 
is if one of their competitors is declaring something different. Right. You know, like in this Lululemon, <laughs> we right. don't tolerate bigotry, homophobia. But the store next door Over is Over like, Eddie Bauer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bring it on! Swastikas galore. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's like, crazy town over there. It's all a straw man argument. Yeah. That's the point. So I think on some level, when I was talking about Tim Scott, I think this is the problem, okay? First of all, Tim Scott is like half a percent in the polls. It's yeah. all Trump and DeSantis right now. Right. Who knows how it's going to shake out? But I want, I, want, I want your honest opinion about this. Okay, what is more effective in this day and age? Because Tim Scott is not running as a black presidential nominee. He's running as a – he happens to be black, but inflation bad, crime's bad, the border's bad. But what do you think is more effective in courting the black vote, running on that deliverable or running on the Democrats, which have, it is sort of a deliverable but not really, which is just inclusion? Like if you were him, would you be playing up your race or would you be playing up your achievements? Wait, tell, uh, uh, repeat that again, the inclusion part. Okay. He's, he's running on in- inclusion? No, or? no, no. I'm saying Tim Scott, his, the, the commercial we just played is. Gotcha. He doesn't say like I'm Tim Scott, we need a black president and we need a black on the program. Right, right. He's running on the borders a mess, crimes a mess, right. inflation's gotcha. bad. Okay. Gotcha. So when I say, I say, what is a more effective strategy? Like if you remember when Biden chose Kamala, right. he said, We're, we want a woman of color on right. the ticket. Gotcha. That was the sell. Gotcha. Congratulations, woman of color on the ticket. Whereas Tim Scott is trying to say, crime, the border, inflation, let's get it out of under control. Now, I think in theory, obviously, we prioritize getting crime in the border and inflation under control. Right. But what do you think is more effective? I think uh, it, right now, where we are right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, we're kind of split. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really kind of split when it comes to like the black vote because there is a huge, huge number that's, like I said, they're over the, the Democrats coming into the church and doing the, doing the funky chicken and, and, and <laughs> having a catfish story. fry. <laughs> they're, o- they're totally over that, right? But there's still a big group that's still into it. Yeah. You can still get that vote by doing a, you know, doing a little, uh, you know, sounding like Martin Luther King. And, and Did you hear Justin I Pearson? Did. I now, did. I did, sure did. Did you on any level enjoy the contrast between college Justin Pearson Here's the thing. Uh-huh. I actually like the guy, mm-hmm. and I actually think that he is sincere in some of the things that he wants to do. But when you do things like that, <laughs> it 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 makes cynics like me go, "What the heck is going on here?" It, I, I can't. It, it, you're doing more hurt than harm. I feel like when you do stuff like that, we, I did not like that. We can talk about this. I can even and play singing, this. "We shall overcome." <laughs> Are you kidding me? But which is so funny about that is these people are doing this as elected officials. Yeah. Like you're clearly not oppressed. You're in charge of the government. Right. We're not so oppressive that we're putting the victims in charge. But that's the part where they're denying perspective. It's like they're fighting a civil rights movement that doesn't exist the way the original one did. And that's the part that I think is strawman. But you know what happened to him? I almost want to play his clips and talk about this with you yeah. as comedians. Yeah. This is like this is how someone becomes a guitar comic. You start doing something that gets a stronger reaction uh, out yeah, of the yeah, crowd. Yeah. Josh, do we have those clips? Do we have College Pearson? Let's just do like 20 seconds of College Pearson. Give it to me. Justin J. Pearson, mm-hmm. and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent okay. Without even the- getting into the substance, as you know, right. they're not going to roar and cheer for that. Right. So play the other clip, yeah. Josh. Seem like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. <laughs> I mean, he but goes. Oh, from... that was good news for us. Oh, give me I don't more. know how long this Saturday in the state of Here Tennessee might last, but oh, we have good news, folks. 
We've got good news that Sunday always comes. All right, that's enough, Mark. He went from Urkel to Jesse Jackson. And <laughs> it's like, I, it, it's, uh, but I there's, there is, you know, there's a core that gets, you know, but, into the theatrics. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, a lot of black people particularly, who are turned on by that, that kind of cosplay. What, what I think is so funny about it, though, is I just know this as a comic. You become the second Justin Pearson because right. it's the crowd reaction that feels good. Right, right. And you go, wow, if I'm yelling and screaming. Oh! <laughs> I, I just found my thing. Yes. I found he, my shtick. He's going to be on stage with a guitar and a rubber chicken by next <laughs> week. He's, he's going to be killing at the Laugh Hut, the comedy connection in Toledo or uh. something like that. Charles McBee is in studio. We're having a grown-up talk, all things America. Uh, Tim Scott comes on the show a lot. I like Tim Scott. Tim Scott's m- mom. Uh, was as broke as you can legally be in this country at the time she gave birth to him. His grandfather was forced out of school to pick cotton in third grade. He was a sharecropper. So he has a good story about the upward mobility in America that I don't feel like we're telling enough. Mm. The problem is I don't know that he's going to get a chance to tell it because you've got this Trump-DeSantis thing yeah. going on. Yeah. And make no mistake about it. Like, that is the heavyweight fight. Yeah. But the lane I'm outlining, and I just want to throw this at you, there is the possibility that these guys are beating each other up so bad a third lane opens up. Or am I kidding myself and even entertaining that? Not in a, not a snowball's chance in Hades. <laughs> There's no way. But now hold on. Yeah. Well, you could potentially have. Trump is under one indictment. Yeah. Okay. Jim Jordan basically said last night he's going to be under two more by the end of the summer. Right. In Georgia and the feds. I, I don't I'm listen, I'm not saying I want Trump to go away, uh, but there's a world where for a lot of voters, three if you've never voted for a president under indictment. Some voters are going to have a hard time voting for a president who's under three indictments. Right. Even if they think it's political, the point is there's still three indictments. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump is not some regular yeah. schmuck coming out of nowhere. Yeah, he's he's a- Trump, and his and his and the people that ride for him, he's going to be seen as a martyr as the more he goes through this kind yes. of thing. So it's not just like mm, some guy who's bad for the party who's mm-hmm. like, who is this guy? Let's get somebody else. No, this is Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. So his people are going to ride for him no matter what, and they're just going to grow and grow. And as I said last night, I think – I think people want a little a little street in yeah. their new Republican nominees. Now, I think he's setting the president for a whole new candidate going forward. Now, wow. he's going to the next Republican runner is going to have to have tattoo tears. <laughs> they're going to have to have a, a, a mixtape. <laughs> like it's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna want some street cred. Oh, McVeigh, you're probably not wrong because you want to know the one thing voters really do hate in the Republican Party is the fact that at the tippy top of the leadership, they're yeah. Democrats. They're all basically just uniparty. The yeah. people in Washington like war. It makes a lot of money. They like lobbyists. It treats them to a fabulous life. And they don't really want to upset that apple cart. Trump, for whatever people think of his personality, challenged that status quo so hard because yeah. he looked at the spreadsheet like a businessman. Okay, no matter what you think of his business prowess, that's what he did. He's like, hey, why are we giving NATO all this money if no one else? You know what I mean? Right, right. They don't like that. Okay, but I think the voters did. They enjoy the idea of having a Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack, someone who goes into that fancy country club and makes fun of all the elites. Yeah. I think that, you're right, is even if Trump goes, I think the standard bearer needs to be someone exciting. You know, and I think that's where Tim Scott needs to hire me as a speechwriter and loosen it up. <laughs> Tim Scott either needs to hire me or Justin Pearson. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and start doing the oratory, the soaring oratory. Good Lord. Oh, man. We're talking to Charles McBee in studio. I had another one for you because we're talking 2024, but I, I actually wrote something down that I wanted to ask you. Where'd it go? So smooth. Oh, yeah. Mm. Talked about this on Kennedy last oh, yeah? night. I had to write this down because I care that little. I did. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't care if people drive electric cars. 
All right, right, but right. we both know this as guys who travel the car doing the country doing comedy. It's not a lot of charging stations out there. No. Okay. This idea that six percent of the cars on the road are electric right now, and we're going to somehow swap that and get it up to like sixty percent in the next ten years yeah. is not possible. Yeah. But they're parading on as if it is because it's one of those things where you set the high goal, miss it, but you still make things better. Right. But make no mistake about it. I feel like we're being forced. Do you? You don't. I, I don't feel like they're selling this to us. I feel like they're just telling us to do it. Do you think that there's mandates going to be coming down the pike? Well, like in, you have to have like a, like in California well, or somewhere you know with how the doing solar it? panels. Yeah, and you know stuff how they're like doing that? it. They're not going to say to you and me, you have to buy one of these. They're saying to manufacturers, you have to make them within these parameters, mm. which is going to shrink our range of options. Gotcha. So it won't be as simple as a vaccine. But it will be a mandate. You're right. That's what that's basically what they're doing to manufacturers right now. Yeah. It's a tailpipe law. So your tailpipe has to meet a minimal emission standard now, which takes a lot of engines out of the running. So that's what they're doing. Well, I think it's going to always come down to who's uh, who's in charge, because no matter what, businesses are always going to have that option to go across the border or to go overseas. And they're just going to do what they did in the early 2000s and go back to build, you know, building factories over there. And then you're going to have to have another republic come and say, we're going to we're undoing away some of this. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bring the jobs back and all that kind of Think stuff. About it just this. goes back and forth. No, I agree. Uh, Charles McBee is in studio. We're having the best time. Uh, when it comes to clean energy, this is my favorite thing. So most of what we buy, whether it's solar panels or getting, you know, lithium and everything. Yeah. We're buying it off China, okay? China is the biggest polluter in the world right. by a margin of five. They're not participating in climate change. Not at all. But they are selling us the gear. You understand? Mm-hmm. We're buying a patch off Marlboro. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. We're buying a cigarette patch off a guy who's smoking a cigar. Yeah. He's not doing this, but he's getting rich selling it to us, no. which kind of makes me think it's a scam. Like, they know. Well, nobody has time or mm-hmm. the nor the energy to look at how it all comes back full circle. Yeah. So they know that we have the intention span of a gnat yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they just go, hey, we got to get, you know, we got to fix the environment. We're going to do this, do that. They, they don't really show you the entire picture, like pull the camera Stand out. Stand behind the magician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And show you how it really doesn't oh, so matter. that's where the rabbit goes. <laughs> yeah. It makes no difference at all if these other, you know, countries are, are also not participating. We're still screwed in the end. Like, they don't talk about that part. If you think of Uncle Sam as a magic show, yeah, you know what I mean? He's a magician in that hat with the, the striped hat and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the rabbit is Chinese. It's a Chinese <laughs> rabbit. Chinese and he throws rabbit. it in his hat because every road in this country economically now leads through China. And it's from Wuhan. It's yeah. a Wuhan rabbit. <laughs> it's a Wuhan. Well, we're going to have big problems. Uh, we're talking to Charles McBee. Well, I talk about that because this is the thing. China and these countries that don't care about climate change— they obviously they have the same scientific capabilities. They actually have hypersonic nuclear weapons. We haven't been able to manufacture. They're as, as advanced, if not more, than we are in space. Yeah. So it's not like they're at a scientific deficit to us, yet they're not pursuing climate change as an actual thing. Now, understand that they inhabit the same planet as us, right. which means they don't think it's real. Because if they thought it was real, they'd be concerned with how it would affect them. So they're kind of telling you, someone on an equal scientific footing as us, uh, that it's probably not what we're being told it is. Well, I, I mean, listen, I, I I'm not over in China. I don't know what yeah, yeah. the inner workings are with their with their government and, mm-hmm. and what their priorities are when it comes to climate change. But I I I, I sit here as a comic mm-hmm. who tells wee wee jokes mm-hmm. in front of strangers, solid ones, uh, solid ones, uh, no, nonetheless. But so I listen to people who are smarter than me. 
on every side from every angle, and I just try to decipher what I think is the best cost. I try not to be a jerk when it comes to the earth because we all have to live here. But you know the old George Carlin bit? Well, yeah, well, it's like, he goes, oh, the earth's going to be fine. Yeah, the earth's going to be fine. It's yeah. <laughs> like, we're screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on. It's like, it's so funny, though, because this is what Biden said yesterday in Dublin. He said the biggest existential threat to the world is climate change. And the reason I find that so funny is, like, China just announced it's developed a hypersonic missile that can penetrate our missile defense system. Russia already has one. Yeah. Okay? The border's wide open. Okay? Things are a mess. He's like, oh, but the weather in 50 years. <laughs> I just, there's no way it's the biggest existential threat. AI. Did you see the AI guy that was on Kennedy after you guys last night? No, I Who, thought well, he, was, he was hosting, right? Yeah. <laughs> I interviewed an AI guy, a doctor who was like already in the bunker, though. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. thrown by that because I wanted to make a bunker joke when he came on because it was about this segment was about AI killing us all. Yeah. But the guy was already in a bunker. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. I actually cut the interview short and just ran for it. It was unbelievable. Uh, McBee, let's do it again sooner, right? Let's man? do it. Back after this. The show that's crashing the establishment party. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be closing the show today with Lincoln Failing. He's on spring break. He's got a baseball game. He's going to call into the show. Right now, I'm closing the hour with comedian Charles McBee. He joined me on Kennedy last night, but in his quest to take over Fox News Media <laughs> and all of its platforms, he returns uh, for a second segment. Uh, it is Friday. It's so nice out in the city, by the way. It is. It is nice. It's We got, like, yesterday was that first day yeah. where you actually see the collective city in a good mood. Yeah. Because there's so many of us in a small space, we kind of inhabit the same mood. Exactly. But what's so fun about New York, and I love watching this happen, is this like, oh, it's warm, it's nice, I love everybody. This only lasts like 72 hours. Exactly. By Sunday, you'll see shooting spike, <laughs> robberies spike. Yeah, it'll be horrible. Every- <laughs> the warmer it gets, the madder we become in this town. Yeah. It's so weird. It's like the cherry blossoms in D.C. People go down, you have like a three-day window to watch it happen. And then it's uh, just it's a mess. <laughs> New York, you come to New York in the spring for the weed blossoms, yeah. and then the weed blossoms, everybody's nice, and it's, then we kill each other. It's the opposite of, like, the first snowfall. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so pretty, and then day three, it's all yellow and disgusting. <laughs> so tired of shoveling this stuff. Yeah, that's how it is now in the, in the Well, what's summer. funny is one of the things you talked about last night on Kennedy, the whole Trump thing and the brag thing and everything in between. Jim Jordan came on and talked about it, too, one of our Ohio people. And uh, it's so crazy. We have had 26,000 felonious assaults in the past year. Just randomly walking down the street, someone gets hit with a brick, mugged on the subway. 26,000. That's crazy. I'm not saying, you know, if Trump needed to be prosecuted, it shouldn't happen, but we should be able to walk and chew gum. And we can't right now because our teeth have been knocked out. (laughs) But don't you think collectively in 30 seconds, people would appreciate a little more effort into cleaning this place up? I, I do think that people hearken back to as wild as it is to think now the juxtaposition, but they hearken back to the Giuliani days. Isn't that crazy it's to crazy, say? Crazy, bro. Giuliani has no store credit anywhere in any party, but New Yorkers miss they miss Giuliani. They miss the era. They can't say it. They can't say it. Yeah. They don't, they don't miss, well, they don't miss the guy. They miss the era. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Why you bring McBee on? He tells you the truth. Damn it. All right, this hour's over. Ep- Epic work. Let's do it. All right. We're back after this. Lincoln Fela joins us next on Fox Across America.
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are fired up, final hour of the week on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. I always say this show is like America's family meeting. That's what I say. Say we're going to get together at this little radio dinner table. I'm kind of the deadbeat dad trying to keep a roof over our radio heads. You guys come by, tell me what you saw at school today or work or whatever the hell you were. Well, today in this hour, the family meeting gets real. My family, Lincoln Phelan, my only child, the 14-year-old Link man, will join us to wrap things up. But his opening act at the tippy top of the hour is down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Wally is on the phone. Yo, Wally. Yo, Jimmy. My man. Made it to another Friday. Don't and it. I got to give a I got to give a radio fist bump to you. Oh. We we uh, two months ago we started the strong arming and arm twisting of uh, Senator Tim Scott, and it looks like it's worked out. <laughs> I did. I was tell, I've been telling him to run and run and run because he has such an unstoppable story. If he was in the general election, the problem is the primaries. You know, the Republican primaries are going to be real contentious, and obviously, DeSantis has a big following, and Trump is Trump. You know, but Tim Scott is like a third party alternative, is a phenomenal candidate. He's actually like technically in the general election. He's the best candidate we have just because he takes away the race lane. And the average person yes. doesn't realize the Democrats don't win an election without getting like 85 percent of the black vote by screaming that the Republicans are racist. So if Tim Scott takes that away, they got a big problem, no? Well, and I like the yes, that's definitely. Well, you, you never can fully take away the race. Card yeah, they're going to use it. Yeah. But uh, using politics is politics and campaigning is campaigning. Tim Scott, this gives him an opening. If DeSantis and Trump come after him, he can he can look at everybody and go, look at what these two white guys are doing to this <laughs> nice to this nice black guy in this in this race, trying to beat me down. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> so you got to use it back on. You use you use you know your enemy's weapons whenever you can. So. Mm. Well, I, but, um, I will tell you this. Tim Scott is, you know, having met him a bunch off the air. He's and Trey Gowdy says that about him, too. Trey Gowdy says he's too nice. Like he's actually too nice for this level of fight that he's about to get into. But, uh, I, you know, and you don't know how the landscape is going to shift. The Trump's going to get indicted or, you know, for whatever reason, DeSantis doesn't run, which I don't think is going to be the case. But in terms of qualified, like Tim Scott is as qualified as anybody, and he has the best story, man. He, his, his story is the actual American dream, and it's the American dream realized through this lens of pretend oppression the Democrats are trying to sell. That's why I think he's good. But, uh, oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like even the, it, the, they're really going to have a hard time. That's what – even if he didn't win, I would love to just see you know, them failing at trying to take a good man and make him look bad. Yes, that would be rad too. And make no mistake about just, it, they will. I wanted to let you know I'm on call to be your driver and guide for you and Kennedy for your show. <laughs> and um, uh, But I have to tell you, uh, you're going to be uh, asked to. It's a policy that I've been working on that I'll be presenting to the governor uh, because of all the Democrat immigration to Florida mm-hmm. from uh, blue states. Well, when you and Kennedy come, I'm going to have to ask you to surrender your voter registration cards <laughs> for the time that you're here. <laughs> Are you going to ship and, us back to Martha's Vineyard if we don't comply? 
No, well, first off, we're going to start by dropping you off at the Scientology Hotel. <laughs> so funny. Hey. Beautiful spot. I, I actually think it's a front for the IRS because all they do is auditing. <laughs> well, listen, maybe, it'll, maybe I'll wind up in the next Top Gun if you take me there. What can I say? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good chance, but um, the initiative is the Responsible Voter Initiative, and it's it's a scoring system for the new arrivals, and we're trying to weed out the masochistic voters. <laughs> you need, and you, yeah, you get points. You get points, and so we have to kind of slow you down. The first vote in Florida, if you've come from, a, you know, a, as a Democrat, you're mm-hmm. allowed to vote for mosquito control. <laughs> <laughs> then the school board. If you do good with mosquito control, we'll give you school board powers. Uh-huh. If you do good there, you go up to county commissioner, state government, and then we'll let you up to Congress. And even maybe if you're really good, the executive. Wow. Imagine that, Wally. A girl can dream, can't she? <laughs> Unbelievable. Listen, great stuff. We'll keep working hard to win your vote or at least the right to cast ours. You're the best, Wally. There he goes. So Wally makes a good point, man. When he's talking about Tim Scott and, you know, what he represents in this fight. Now, the truth is, if you're looking at the polling right now, he's, you know, it's like single digits, not even close. Now things can change. Everything we're speculating about now doesn't matter because they're not in a ring. You know, they say styles make fights in boxing. Styles make fights. This guy leads off his jab. This guy's more of a counterpuncher. This guy's a lefty. This guy's a stalker. You know what I mean? Styles make fights. You know, you think about like when Muhammad Ali, okay, Fort George, uh, excuse me, Fort Joe Frazier, and three of the greatest heavyweight fights we've ever seen, these were the most contentious, okay, and hard-fought, closely defined battles, meaning the winner of these fights did not win, okay, overwhelmingly so. It wasn't like, wow, that guy doesn't belong in the ring with that guy. Okay, but after fighting Joe Frazier, to the hairline decisions, two of which he won, one of which he lost. Okay, Joe Frazier stood toe-to-toe with Ali for 12 rounds three times, got just squashed like a bug by George Foreman. It's completely squashed like a bug, okay? Six times he got knocked down. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! That was the old, you know, Howard Cosell. Six times got knocked down. He didn't even know what plan he was on. It was a mess. Because his style, okay although it was good against Ali, kind of a stalking horse, was bad against a super puncher like Foreman. Now, Ali watched that, and although Ali and, and Frazier was able to stand in there with Ali for 12 rounds three times, okay, Ali, oddly enough, as tight of a matchup as he was against Frazier, okay, could actually last against Foreman because his style is what they call the rope-a-dope. He leaned on the ropes and let Frazier punch, excuse me, let Foreman punch and punch and punch and punch and punch. And Ali eventually stepped in in the 12th round and knocked him out. Okay, styles make fights. What's going to go on in this political primary season is Trump, make no mistake about it, is your George Foreman. It's your 1978 George Foreman. He is a vicious power puncher. Okay, vicious. And he is squashing people like bugs left and right. But he's going to have a stalking horse in DeSantis to go toe-to-toe with soon. And standing on the outside of all of this is Tim Scott, who could very much be deploying the other style, which is the Ali style of the rope-a-dope. Let these two gentlemen punch themselves out and then step in and say, oh, hi, by the way, 
I'm a historic figure with a lot of deliverables for voters. Don't vote for me for the color of my skin. Vote for me because what I can do for people of all colors and ethnic backgrounds. Tim Scott has that only lane to run in. Okay, it'll be interesting to see how it's executed. But the truth is the reason you always hear me talk him up is because I, you know, started in my adult life when I was, you know, starting a family with Jenny and, 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 you know, she's pregnant with Lincoln. I was driving a cab. I was doing stand-up. I was the only white guy in a taxi garage with, you know, four or 500 drivers in a given week. I was literally the only white guy. I was known as the white guy. That was the running joke. And I wasn't specifically political in that time. But because I was so in touch with minority communities that surrounded me in that locker room that we hung out with at the beginning of the shift, at the end of the shift, and talked and stuff, okay, I came to understand as I got sucked into politics that the people courting the black vote are focusing on everything, everything except what the black people actually want. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. And that's not me being, like, particularly politically astute. It's just I was sitting there going, wow, these Democrats are just yelling about the race card, yelling about climate change, yelling about inclusion. And I'm looking around a locker room with 400 people of color, and not one of them is mentioning any of these issues. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Okay, but that is what the Democrats do in courting the black vote, is they don't deliver any improvements to the black quality of life. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Let me give you an example, okay, in super woke San Francisco. Inclusion, diversity, tolerance. Okay, San Francisco is an outdoor toilet. Outdoor toilet. People are literally going to the bathroom on sidewalks. Hundreds of people, thousands of people in a given day have been there. I've been there a lot. It's disgusting. Okay, these policies are failing the city. Their crime is up double digits in every violent index and massive businesses like Whole Foods. Whole Foods, okay, is the most well-financed grocery store in America. It's owned by Amazon, our biggest company. Whole Foods just fled San Francisco because they didn't feel safe doing business there. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. But what does San Francisco do? Well, we're going to go. Conduct a committee that's going to review the names on our public high schools. And we're going to make sure all the high schools are named after people who are allies to the black community. Now, forget that the schools have been closed for two years and nobody's learning. More importantly, this symbolic gesture we're going to make. Do you get it? People want jobs. A rising economic tide lifts all boats. There is a direct correlation between high rates of violent crime and low rates of economic opportunity. The people mug people, kill people, rob people, everything in between. It's because they don't have legal means to make money in a lot of these cities where the Democrats have prioritized inclusion and the climate over the things that matter. Like, oh, I don't know, supporting the cops, jailing the criminals, making the businesses feel safe operating in those cities. Here is London Breed telling you the reports of San Francisco being unsafe is not true. Clip 21. It is taken completely out of context in terms of highlighting the entire city as being unsafe. That's not entirely true. I mean, come on, girlfriend. I mean, you You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Here's a little more London Breed mayor of San Francisco. Clip 22. 
there's a perception problem. We know that the Internet and social media is here to stay. It's not going anywhere, and people are going to jump to conclusions. Oh, people are going to jump to conclusions. Oh, shut up, woman. No, people are going to jump to U-Haul. People are fleeing San Francisco in record numbers. Do you understand? People are fleeing Los Angeles. People are fleeing the state of California in record numbers. Why? Because they don't feel safe. High tax, higher crime. Businesses are fleeing. But do you understand the mayor's getting on there? No, it's just some right-wing thing. But you get it. That's not a deliverable. A deliverable is crime gets under control. Businesses stay. People can make money. People feel safe. But in these woke cities, they don't prioritize any of that stuff. Now we've got to empty the prisons. Equity. We counted up all the inmates. There's, it's not e- evenly divided amongst every race. So let's just start letting people out. And you know who they wind up harming? Members of their own race. 90% of violent crimes are committed against members of the same race. So you understand when you let a black criminal, you let a white criminal, when you let a Latino criminal, Muslim criminal, Asian criminal out in the name of equity, you are actually harming their very community 90% of the time. The high rates of criminal recidivism mean they will go and attack a member of that same race. So are you helping any race by letting violent criminals out of jail? The answer would be no. But that's why people are leaving these cities. They're leaving these cities because they don't feel safe. They're leaving these cities because there's not enough economic opportunity for their families. But they're getting taxed to the moon because their tax base has been decimated in these cities by people fleeing the region. That's why Tim Scott is formidable. He's not running as, hey, I'm a black guy. That's what the Democrats do. Wow, we need a person of color. No, no, we just need somebody who knows what they're doing. You, the whole, listen to me, the whole government, if every single person in Congress, every single person, okay, was a left-handed transgender woman from Zimbabwe, I'd be fine with zero inclusion. If the border was tight, the taxes were low, the streets were safe, and our kids could add. Because right now they can't. I love the poorly educated. Okay, I don't care. We need meritocracy. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. Okay, every one of these woke cities has been trashed. They are leading the league in one-way U-Hauls. And right now the battle for the future of our country as a whole is victimhood versus victorhood. Tim Scott represents victorhood. You can do it. It's the greatest country in the history of the world. Anybody from any background could be a Tim Scott. Okay, the Democratic mantra is you don't even have a chance. You're oppressed. You're under attack. Okay, but telling people they're under attack doesn't improve their quality of anything. It's a straw man argument designed to get you votes. But it's a straw man argument that depends on them suffering. Okay, if you improve the issue, you can't run on it. So you understand the priority of woke, okay, and woke cities, if you've looked around them, is clearly not to lift people up, it's to hold them down. We killed this city. We killed this city by going woke. Killed this city. We killed this city by going
listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Lincoln Fallon, my kid, is going to join us in the next break. Right now, I want to run in, have a quick chat with Denise is in Mount Dora, Florida. Yo, Denise. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, girl. I'm coming to your hood May 20th. Oh, my gosh. I so love to be there. You're going to be awesome. Thanks for making me laugh. Oh, Denise, you're buttering me up. Uh, (laughs) What are you setting me up for here as a New Yorker? I'm always worried when people are this nice. No, what do you? Th- no, no. Go ahead. Hey, I was. I, I just wanted to know what you think about this thought. Um, Tim Scott is awesome. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's really great. And in my, I think he's running for vice president. Hear me out. Uh-huh. Nobody, nobody on the GOP side is going to beat him up. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to sully him. And by the time the primaries are, have a candidate, yes. they're going to hey, stop it. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's bring all of this. Well, listen, make no mistake about it. Your signal got a little choppy. I don't want you to think I'm cutting you off, but I'm just going to expand on what you said in case I lose you. Okay, girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, they all get in wanting to be president. But yes, as the dynamics of the race change, people come to grips with potentially being VP. Um, Mm -hmm. And I make no mistake about it. If you were looking at the polls right now, you'd go, yeah, Tim Scott is running for president. Uh, Excuse me, for vice president. But I just I don't know where the heck this is going to go or how it's going to change because it's about to get ugly. This is a real Housewives episode, Denise. There's going to be wine throwing, hair pulling. Who the hell knows who's at the head of the dinner table by the time it's over? But I think you're right about where Tim Scott is now. And I appreciate the phone call, girlfriend. Back with Lincoln Fela after this. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Waiting for my deadbeat kid to call in. It's Friday. Trying to hold this country together. Do a little radio with the kid. You know, a little State of the Union. What's going on in the Fallon house? What's going on in the world? You know, that whole thing. Because the one thing I'm trying to give you, I was trying to give you access. Like when we go on the road, we do stand-up dates. We do a meet and greet. Like, if you were in Boise last week, I met everybody in the theater. So if there was a 1,000 of us, I met a 1,000 of us. I hang out. It's our show. That's the thing that makes it work is, like, we're doing something unique here where I'm not just, like, some faraway voice and a speaker that doesn't have a real connection to you. Like, I'm a dude you can, like, talk to and hang out with. Sometimes I bring along my family for the ride because we're kind of, like, invested in this, like, little radio community that we're building and we're trying to, you know, create like a, a situation where you have some buy-in. You know what I'm saying? We can make some progress in the world. And I basically just need backup in case, uh, you know, it sounds like it's, you know, good intentions and what a nice guy and he cares about the country. But I might just be looking for backup in case I get into a brawl at a high school baseball game because somebody hits my kid with a pitch. Joining us now on the line, a guy got beamed in the back yesterday in his at-bat. Lincoln Fail is on the line. How you feeling, champ? What's up? Are you uh, are you icing that back of yours right now? Are you okay? No, I'm fine. Did you explain to the listeners what you did after you got hit by the pitch? I looked at the pitcher and rubbed where I got hit. <laughs> then ran to first. Did you uh, did you like stare him down like you were like a, you were thinking about going out to the mound or no? 
No, because then I would have got yelled at. Yeah, you can't. You don't. You don't live in an age, man. Like if you charge the man on your age, you're gonna go viral on like TikTok. I'm gonna get fired. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Fox News guy promoting violent kid. That whole thing. Uh, yeah. But but the but the audience is glad you're feeling okay. And do you have a game today? Yeah. Okay. What time's that? Uh, we have to be there by three fifteen. Okay, and that's just to inject the steroids, though. Yeah. <laughs> Lincoln Fail is joining us because it's Friday and he is off. You're actually what is this spring break? Is this Easter break? What are you on right now? Uh, spring break. We're not allowed to call it that. Is that true? Oh, you're not allowed to call it Easter well, break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because of like the religious connotation. I think because there's also other religious holidays during now. Oh, like his Passover falls in and stuff. So it's probably just convenient to just make it one big thing. Uh, That makes sense. All right. Well, Lincoln, let's get into this. Because the reason I had you on the show today is we haven't done playground politics in a while. And I asked you the other night, you think Trump still has it? Yeah. Is it it because Trump is good or is it because Biden's bad? Uh, No, because Trump is good. Are you are you and your friends at all concerned, though, that Biden is kind of wandering off the reservation? He looks asleep at the wheel. Well, I don't think anyone like really cares that much, Mm -hmm. but everyone thinks Trump still got it. Wow. So you see a world where we have a second Trump presidency? Yeah. (laughs) How about the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis? Do the kids talk about him or no? No. Do they know that he picked a fight with Disney World because Disney World wanted to make the park woke, you know, Snow White and the Seven Genders and all that? Yeah, probably. But they don't care. They don't like the young kids don't see DeSantis as like the next big thing. No. Do they know who Tim Scott is from South Carolina or no? No. How about Nikki Haley, who is the governor of South Carolina? No. Wow. So you're telling me the youth of America is all in on Trump. Yeah. Wow. Lincoln Fail is on the phone. He's riling up a lot of OTR truckers right now. We got a lot of ride or die Trump listeners on this show, Link Man, which is fine. I mean, anybody, I'm literally anybody is better is better than Biden. Uh, but I think the audience will know, would would be thrilled. Well, the other thing we're trying to vote on, really quick, uh, is our pet. We've been trying to get what kind of pet? A monkey. <laughs> So the listeners need to know this. Lincoln and I want to get a monkey. We want to get a chimp. Now, we were told we can't domesticate them at some point. What did mommy say the chimp's going to do? Like bite our face off and like make murals out of its waist. <laughs> I like the way you cleaned it up for radio. So what me and Lincoln are doing with Jenny is like whenever we're eating, we're making the point of like, you know, we want to get a monkey and we're not backing down. Now, we understand we're not supposed to get one. It's not safe. They can't be domesticated. But that's not really the priority. The priority is giving mommy a hard time, right? Mm-hmm. But are we any closer to getting this monkey? Because I have to share some information about another pet that you wanted. Well, I mean, it's two against one. She can't really tell us what not to do. Yeah, it's democracy, right? We're just we're just protecting democracy by voting in this chimp, are we not? Yeah. So you say mommy's like one of those other people who doesn't protect democracy. That that alone is a reason for us to get the chimp. It's like the war in Ukraine. You got to support it because you're supporting democracy. Exactly. Oh, we're get we are so getting the chimp link, man. Well, I have to give you this update really quick, and then I know you got to get to your game. Um, Tucker last night had on a family that had a capybara. 
the version of it was called a Nutria. So it was a slightly smaller version of the Capybara. Uh, capybara. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were upset. How did you become obsessed with the Capybara before I tell the story? Why is that a thing? Was that like a meme thing for kids your age? Yeah. So last summer when we were in L.A., Lincoln was just like, we got to get a capybara. We want one. We got to get one. We got to see one. We found one at the Santa Barbara Zoo, and we drove up to the Santa Barbara Zoo, and we saw one. And for people who've never seen one, it's just the biggest mouse uh, mouse species on Earth. It could be like 150 pounds, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this big, stupid mouse uh, that Lincoln decides is going to be one of his pets, and we gave Jenny a hard time about getting one of these. But the capybara, it has some issues. So last night, Tucker had on a family... Uh, that has one of these, and, you know, basically the state isn't letting them have one down in Louisiana, and, uh, you know, he's like, but these are beautiful animals. Shouldn't everybody have one? And Lincoln, they, you know what they said? No. Yeah, they said no. <laughs> they were like, actually, no. Uh, they're like, they destroy your house. They're bad for the habitat. They attack other animals. So we actually can't get a capybara. I think at this point, for the safety of not only ourselves but everyone around us, we need to get a chimp. Yeah. Thank you. So we'll have, I'll be home to discuss this with you and your mother in a little while. Last thing, uh, what did you and I do on Xbox recently? We should tell the audience because we always talk about these epic battles that we have. But what did we do? We both took control of a team. He ran the offense. I ran the defense. And what happened? We went 16-1 and one and won the Super Bowl. You're damn right we did, Link, man. We joined forces. We put out, instead of me and Lincoln always fight each other to the, you know, in these tournaments where we play head-to-head, but I've been kicking his ass so bad, he just asked to join my team. Mm. <laughs> but we split a I team. I saved you in, like, at least six of those games. Oh, your defense? Yeah. In the beginning of the season, you carried the team. As the as the as the season went on, we were both pretty dominantly. I mean, we went sixteen and one. Clearly, we were both doing okay on both sides of the ball. But is this your way of trying to like bait me into another head to head matchup? We could no. We could definitely play another season. All right, we may work it out. We might. Yeah, we should. We have to defend our title. No. Yeah, I think we should. Thank you. Well, you know, nobody repeats in this day and age. They get fat and happy on the award circuit. So maybe we can be the team. Maybe we can be the team that pulls the repeat, keeps the title, all right? Yeah. Uh, good luck. I know you got a big game to get to. Don't Try not to get hit by a pitch today, dude. All right. It was pretty funny to watch, though. Mommy sent me the video. I saw you kind of like flexing as you ran to first base. Uh, you need, yeah. You need to know. When I was in – when I was um, – you know you, my buddy Stevie Robbins that we hang out with? Uh, he mm-hmm. coaches over at Division, but when we were in – Well, we play them today. Oh, that's – you're playing my high school? Oh, yeah. yo, I got to cut TV. I got to get out of here. I'm supposed to be on Waters World and Fox Business. I'm about to get COVID. I'm about to get a COVID variant so I can go get drunk at my old high school parking lot. All right, Link Man, say no more. Uh, good luck. Play hard. Watch out for those Levittown guys. I'm telling you right now, all the parents in those bleachers are drunk, Lincoln. All right. Be careful. All right, good luck. Have a great game. We'll talk later. There goes the Link Man, George from Queens. He's got a big game today. The Clark Rams taking on my Division Avenue High School Blue Dragons. I'm actually not going to be there. Because uh, I'm scheduled to do two TV hits. Jenny has an app where I can watch it, but now I actually want to go. I want to go see the Link Band in action, man. JV Baseball. See, where I grew up in Levittown, this is going to blow your mind, you guys. But it was a different era back then. I'm sure some of the people listening might even relate to this, but there was a time in high school 
where like we were not only like we were drinking beer like I don't doubt the kids drink beer today um but we were drinking beer in high school and it was like a known thing amongst the faculty like that's what we were doing like we were showing up to high school baseball games hammered and heckling and our late great baseball coach at division Doug Robbins uh won a couple of state championships and had like the benchmark program in Nassau County uh used to I was so good at heckling like my junior and senior year I would spike a slurpee Go to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee, like a big gulp, fill it with a Slurpee, and put gin in it or vodka in it. I'm not even kidding. I mean, you know, I'm not particularly proud of this, but this is what I come from. And uh, I would get smashed and heckle the other team to the point that they couldn't function on the field. Like, I can tell you this. At the 1995 parade game, the Memorial Day weekend game, uh, Dennis Schneider threw a no-hitter uh, against Garden City. Struck out 18 guys, and I got the game ball from the coach for ragging on the other team because I was like that disruptive of a force. That's the world I come from. And uh, it's really funny to know the link man's going to be out on that diamond today. If I didn't know that, I scheduled all this damn TV. What a terrible dad I am. Unbelievable. Well, all right, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go fake a positive COVID test. We'll be back after this commercial break. The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here, and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Budweiser presents Real Them of Genius. Real Them of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Biological Male pretending to be a woman. Mr. Biological Male pretending to be a woman. Millions of beer drinkers spend the day working a grueling shift on the construction site, but you pranced around the house on TikTok dressed as a six-year-old girl. You're a kid at Anyone can hang their hat up after a long shift, but only a true hero can take off their dress and untape their nuts. Ow, that stinks! So crack open an ice-cold bud, Mr. Biological Male, pretending to be a woman. Normally, beer comes in a cardboard case, but thanks to you, it now comes in a mental case. Mr. Biological Male, pretending to be a woman. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. An update on the Bud Light story. Uh, Anheuser-Busch, Anheuser-Busch came out and claimed that no one, no one at a senior level had any knowledge that this decision was made regarding the Dylan Mulvaney beer can, which, by the way, is a massive lie. You want to know why? Because Bud Light is market cap has lost $6 billion. If a junior executive makes a decision that costs the company $6 billion, unbeknownst to the adults at the tippy top of the company, they are fired immediately. The reason you know they're lying is the fact that she hasn't been fired. She hasn't been fired because they knew what she was doing, and she can prove that they knew what she was doing. So this is their coordinated effort at damage control. Well, we'll pretend you went rogue and we didn't know what was going on, and don't worry about it. You can keep your job. Nobody asks that next-level question. But the reason the Bud Light controversy got as crazy as it did this week, it's not because Dylan Mulvaney is trans. It's because identity politics have now seeped into beer. 
a place we go to get away from the torments of everyday life. Beer is escapism. Beer is, are you done with work? It's Miller time. You know, it's time to go blow off some steam. That was the point of beer. And this idea, as I said last night on Hannity, well, they're like, we needed to make the brand more inclusive. This is my favorite thing in the world, okay? This is Elisa Heinerschneid, the woman behind this, saying, you know, breaking down the problem with the brand, clip 40. What I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what, is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels oh. lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. So- <laughs> but think about that. Bud Light had become fratty and out of touch. Dude, that's your customer base that you're talking to. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Nah, you mean this fratty, white, out of touch crowd. Who the hell wants them around? Am I right? Oh, I know who. Your shareholders. They've lost $6 billion. Because they pour, like, literally pouring politics down our throats. I don't, Bud Light's not getting this money, these people back. I mean, they're not. They're not. They, they have, you have so many beer options in this day and age. Nobody, nobody, okay, goes into the beer freezer when there's a thousand different beers looking at you for attention and goes, which one of you has a guy wearing a dress? He knows what he's talking about. Okay, so it's not the fact that Din, Dylan Mulvaney is trans. It's the fact that identity politics have now seeped into happy hour. Okay? People are infuriated. But when you talk to me about the fraudulent justification for doing this, well, we wanted to make the brand more inclusive. There is nothing on earth more inclusive than beer. Bingo. It is served in places where people of all persuasions get together. More than half of the people listening to this broadcast right now would not be born on this earth if two people didn't get together and have beer. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Like beer has paved the way for a lot of inclusion, if you will. And the idea that they needed to make the brand more inclusive is just stupid, that nobody asked for this. And that's the problem with wokeism. Wokeism is fighting every battle except the ones we should prioritize. Everything woke turns to That's the lesson you learned this week. You're selling beer. What do you need it to be? Cold and tasty. That's it. That's the gig. You want to market your beer? Tell everybody it's cold and tasty. That's what it is. Make it a funny commercial. Do whatever. Is Dylan Mulvaney funny? The answer would be no. No. Does Dylan Mulvaney speak to a growing percentage of the population that everybody envies? The answer would be no. No, and to be clear, it's not the trans community that's the bad guy here. It's the fact that it's being forced on people so aggressively that what this girl did was basically shake down corporate America on the front end. Hey, we're all going to come around in the next four or five months and say, how come you don't have any trans spokespeople, and then we're going to sue you and call you a bigot, and you're going to give us a lot of money. So why don't you just give us the money on the front end? That's what happened. 
Okay, they shook down Bud Light. That's what this woke jackass marketing executive did. She shook down Bud Light on behalf of Dylan Mulvaney. That's why, like, companies he has no business endorsing. Tampax, men can't have babies. If men can have babies, question number one is, in what orifice do they get impregnated? Question number two, which is far more difficult to fathom, is what does it come out of? I mean, come on, dude. Pretend, okay? Pretend is getting Bud Light in a lot of trouble because their pretend had real consequences. Happy Friday. I'll see you on TV. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.